0: Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Keith Steffen, a member of the National Association of Letter Carriers. Thank you to all of our listeners. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible.
1: Hi there. I'm Anna Ham, a proud member of the Labor Radio News Collective, because I have a nose for news and I like to pick it. Today we review the recent UPS contract, agreement, get an update on OPEIU at True Stage, discuss the dangers to workers posed by extreme heat, and much more. And if you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WORT and Labor Radio. And here's how you can do it by becoming an Evergreen
2: supporter. Hi, and this is Evergreen Support Day. It's a special day here at WORT, and we're asking people to think about becoming an Evergreen monthly donor. What you can do here is go to wrtfm.org and click on Donate. But an evergreen donor is somebody who is giving every month on a regular basis so that the station can have a regular flow of income. And this makes it for a much better listening. It makes it for fewer pledge drives. And we want to hear from you again. Just go to wrtfm.org, click on Donate, and now we'll hear what you get when you do this.
3: Well, we have a number of thank you gifts. If you uh, donate uh, $5, if you contribute $5 a month, you get this lovely wart patch. Uh, I find that it really looks good on my black backpack. Uh, We also have uh, the illustrated uh, sesquicentennial history and wart embroidery patch for the $85 level. Uh, And... um, uh, 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 a hip hippie hop pint glass wait, uh, wait. a bu- bucket hat and work binoculars
4: why do we have a Centennial patch this station's only like 50 years old
2: because it's going to be 100 years old or 150 years old sooner or later if everybody does the right thing and goes to wrtfm.org he clicks on donate and becomes an evergreen donor
4: just seems a little premature well <laughs> The number to do that?
2: No, no number. No, no,
4: no, no number. number. There's no one even here to answer the phones. Or you
3: can email Susan at wortfm
4: org. Six zero eight two five. No, 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 no. Phone no, number. no, no. Nobody's going to answer that phone. Nobody's so going to answer this. the phone
3: No, no phones. No phone but calls. Now the news.
4: Wortfm org. <laughs> <laughs>
0: On Tuesday, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters reached an historic tentative agreement with UPS, ending the threat of a massive nationwide strike. The UPS-Teamsters National Master Agreement is the single largest private sector collective bargaining agreement in North America. Labor Radio reporter Janine Ramsey has the story.
5: Teamsters are heralding the successful negotiations with UPS on behalf of over 340,000 UPS workers across the United States. The tentative agreement was unanimously endorsed by the Negotiations Committee and now heads into a vote by the full membership. The new five-year contract will include significant raises for all workers, more full-time jobs, and new workplace protections and improvements. Teamsters president Sean O'Brien in a CNBC interview lists the pressures on UPS that helped the deal happen.
6: I think what happened was there was a lot of pressure being put on UPS from the investors. There was a lot of pressure being put on UPS by their customers. And we were putting a lot of pressure on UPS by demonstrating our solidarity. And I think we proved, not only UPS, but corporate America and everybody else, that labor can be a market changer. And I think UPS finally realized that it needed to reward the members that made them tremendous success and help them earn $100 billion.
5: Highlights of the tentative UPS Teamsters agreement include historic wage increases. Current full and part-time UPS Teamsters will get 275 more per hour in 2023. Over the length of the contract, wage increases will total 750 per hour. Existing part-timers will be raised up to no less than $21 per hour immediately. Wage increases for full-timers will keep UPS Teamsters the highest paid delivery drivers in the nation, moving their average top rate up to $49 per hour.
6: Just for the record, part-timers on average will receive a 44% wage increase over the lifetime of this agreement, which is tremendous. I mean, it takes people out of poverty wages. It's gonna change a lot of lives for families. Full-timers will get a $7.50 wage increase Uh, over the lifetime of this agreement, as both part-timers and full-timers deserve. I mean, think about what they provided to this country during the pandemic. CEOs, investors were getting rewarded with record dividends and and bonuses, and they never touched a package, and our members finally stood up and got what they deserved.
5: Other highlights of the agreement include ending the unfair two-tier wage classification system, AC and large vehicles purchased after January 2024, plus two fans and air induction vents in cargo compartments. Martin Luther King Day is a holiday. No more forced overtime on days off. Part-time workers will have priority to perform all seasonal support work using their own vehicles with a locked-in eight-hour guarantee and 7,500 new full-time Teamster jobs and more opportunities for part-timers to transition to full-time work.
6: We would never accept an agreement unless we believed in it, and we believed this was as far as we could go. The last contract with concessions under the previous administration was a $13 billion deal. This, we reversed all the concessions, and we got a $30 billion deal. We are going to endorse it and fully support it and encourage our members to vote for it.
5: That was Teamsters President Sean O'Brien on a CNBC interview. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Madison Labor Radio.
1: Faced with foot dragging by True Stage, OPEIU members will take to the streets Saturday. That's
2: tomorrow. Workers at True Stage, members of the Office and Professional Employees International Union, Local 39, have been in negotiations with True Stage, formerly CUNA Mutual, since last March. To date, the company has made no offers to the union that addressed the workers' key demands. In response, workers have mobilized, including a 10-day unfair labor practice strike. The National Labor Relations Board have found merit in the charge that TrueStage engaged unfair labor practices and ordered the company to provide data needed for negotiations. So far, this has not happened. In response, the workers have continued to mobilize their members and the community. Tomorrow, July 29th, OPEIU, community, labor, and political supporters will gather at the state capitol for a rally for a fair contract. Supporters can gather at the corner of Dayton Street and State Street at 9 a.m. for a 9.30 march around the capitol. The rally will begin at 10 a.m. The list of speakers indicates the broad base of support for the union at true stage. Speakers will include Melissa Agard, State Senate Minority Leader, Mark Pocan, U.S. Representative, Mike Jones, President of Madison Teachers, Inc., and Stephanie Altamirano of Voce de la Frontera, among others. The union hopes that the rally will encourage True Stage to come to the bargaining table and work with the union to achieve a fair contract. I am Frank Emsbach for Madison Labor Radio.
0: week, Labor Radio brought you news of a teacher in Waukesha who was fired for a tweet that the school board didn't like. This week, Labor Radio reporter Abigail Levins discusses the First Amendment implications of this decision and what's next for Melissa Temple.
7: Melissa Temple, a first grade teacher at Higher Elementary School, just wanted her students to sing Rainbow Land for their spring concert. The school board banned the song and after she protested, they fired her. This came after an almost three-hour hearing about the decision. Several groups raised immediate concerns at this decision, including Wisconsin Faith Voices for Justice and the Alliance for Education in Wausau. Additionally, Rick Essenberg, the leader of Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, expressed his First Amendment questions in a tweet the week of the decision. He said, quote, "'Teachers don't lose their First Amendment rights solely by virtue of working in a public school,' and they ought not to be fired for having the quote-unquote wrong opinion, end quote. Ressenberg argued that the school needs proper justification to treat her differently than any other private citizen complaining on their private social media. It would take a special circumstance for her to fall out of First Amendment protection, according to Essenberg. He concluded, quote, if her speech is protected, then certainly her termination for that speech was improper, end quote. In addition to this, the lawyer representing Tempel, Summer Mershid, said information from the hearing itself will lend to a First Amendment claim against the school board. Mershid said, quote, This is not about culture wars or rainbows. This is about the constitutional rights that each and every one of us have, including teachers, who do not check those rights at the door when they enter their schools. Mershid pointed out that First Amendment has protected coaches choosing to pray and designers who don't want to create certain content. So why shouldn't it protect a teacher who wants to post on social media about public concerns? Tempel wants to prove that teachers do have the ability to speak out, according to Mershid. She doesn't want other teachers to be silenced and therefore will challenge the school board's decision. Mershid said they will alert the public when they officially file a claim. For Labor Radio, I'm Abigail Levins.
1: Wisconsin-based Kohler and the union representing its workers came to an agreement this week. Greg Jabowski talked with the president of UAW Local 833.
4: This week, United Auto Workers announced that the 1,681 members of UAW Local 833 had reached a five-year agreement with the Kohler Company of Kohler, Wisconsin, Kohler, with a bathroom fixtures plant in Kohler, an electric generator plant in nearby Mosul, and other manufacturing divisions form a large part of the economy of Sheboygan County, just north of Milwaukee. Labor Radio spoke on Wednesday to Tim Talo, president of UAW Local 833 in Sheboygan, who described the basic union strategy for negotiations this go round
8: talked with the Kohler company, uh, Local 33, and our committee, and we opened up contract talks early. Our contract would have expired October 1st, but the last month we've been uh, negotiating every day with the company, and we ratified uh, Sunday, the 23rd, on a new five-year contract with Kohler. So there's been some long days in the last month to come to an agreement with the company.
4: Negotiations were straightforward, says Taylor.
8: The company and the union went in with open minds. Yeah, there's sticky points, pension and wages on different shifts, but uh, at the end, it all came together. Did we totally get what we wanted or did totally get what we, they wanted? No, but we came close.
4: Over the last decade, the union has been able to chip away at concessions forced on it by the company during the global recession at the end of the 2000s, explains Taylor.
8: In 2010, when the economy was so bad, We lost a lot of stuff in the contract, and when you lose something in the contract, it's very hard to get back. 2015, we had that five-week strike. 2018, we opened up early again, and we gained more uh, stuff that we lost. And this year, we gained quite a bit back to make the company a place people want to come and work again.
4: According to Taylor, although Local 833 didn't succeed in abolishing the tiering system entirely, the current contract sets out a path for ending it.
8: Well, we went to close the tier system down, and was about 700 in that tier system. At signing of the contract, 500 went right to the higher tier. Quite a few more will get there in year two and three, and the last, well, there's such a gap in the last 100 maybe that... It's going to take a little longer, but they can move in their wages if they're just not stuck at a low wage. They can move up to good pay and go from there.
4: New faces on both the bargaining committee and from the international in Detroit helped in putting this contract together, says Taylor.
8: The bargaining committee I had last time, a lot of them retired. So I had a new fresh bargaining committee of first-timers on there, and they did a very good job. We have a new Region 4 director. We always had support from the directors over the years, uh, but Brandon Campbell really stuck his neck out and said, I've got help for you guys if you need it.
4: Kohler, Wisconsin, was founded in 1900 by the Kohler Corporation as a company town, with a company as the effective government. Over the ensuing decades, the UAW was key, not only in bringing improved wages and benefits to its members, but in bringing democracy to Kohler itself. To Talo, the close ties between the union and the Kohler community were vital in the latest contract talks.
8: I just uh, appreciate this community. You know, we are part of the community. We stress how much we are part of the community. You know, without the union here, who knows what would happen with our jobs. I just got to say thank you to the community and everybody that works at Kohler and supports us. And it's a good feeling with this right-to-work state uh, that we only have 11 that don't belong to the union. So we are a very strong union.
4: That was Tim Taylor, president of Local 833 in Sheboygan, who this week signed a five-year contract with the Kohler Company. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabowski.
3: Hi, we're doing this is Carol. We're doing a little fun- fundraising for the Evergreen Donor Program, and we would like you to go to the WORT website that's WORTFM.org and click on the banner at the top of the page. Uh, click on donate, and we will g- offer you a number of thank you gifts for. Donating as an evergreen donor, you can start for as little as five dollars a month. That'll get you a thank you gift of the wart patch, sew-on patch. It's lovely. It fits on backpacks, jackets, all sorts of things. And there's another a number of other uh, gifts there that we'd like to take you, to give you. And if for some reason you don't have a computer available, you can call six zero eight two five six two thousand and one extension one, and operators are standing bar.
2: And uh, we'd like you to give us a, uh, a ring, 25608 256 or go to the website, wortfm.org, and press on the banner on the top. The Evergreen Monthly Donations are a way for us to stop hounding you many times a year. It's easy for you to fill out. There's a one-page form that allows you to do it. You can choose your amount. The donations really maximize your gift because they allow the station to plan ahead and make the kind of investments we need on a regular basis. The evergreen donations are easier on your budget. By giving a little bit each month, it turns out to be a lot uh, over the course of the year. And that's very, very important for our station to move up and have more evergreen donations as part of our general support. Finally, you can increase, decrease, or cancel Evergreen donation whenever you want, simply by going online. So Evergreen donations are easy to track. You don't have to miss being part of our great family. And we urge you to give us a ring, 608-256-2001, or go to wrtfm.org, and the banner on how to donate is right up there on the top, and click on that, and we're ready to
3: receive your gifts. And if you want to increase or decrease, please email susan at wortfm.org.
0: A restaurant employed workers unfamiliar with their rights and then took advantage of them. Carol Weidel has the story.
3: The US Department of Labor found that the owner of four Wisconsin restaurants denied 100 servers, cooks, and other employees their earnings. In addition, three miners were employed to work later and longer hours than the law permits. Casa Tequila LLC and owner Maria Campuzano operated four restaurants in Pewaukee, Hartford, Waukesha, and West Bend. The lost wages total more than 272,000. Wage and Hour Division District Director Kristen Trout in Minneapolis made the following statement. Violations like those found in our investigation of Casa Tequila are all too common in the food service industry. Restaurants often employ people unfamiliar with their legal rights and protections as workers who may be fearful about raising or reporting their concerns workers concerned about their employer's pay practices can contact the Wage and Hour Division anonymously if they prefer to ask questions and to understand their rights better." In addition to requiring payment of back wages, the Division assessed $2,373 in civil money penalties to Casa Tequila LLC for its child labor violations. Listeners can learn more about the Wage and Hour Division, including a search tool to see if you think you may be owed back wages collected by the division, and how to file an online complaint. For confidential compliance assistance, employees and employers can call the division's toll-free helpline at 866-487-9243. That's 866-487-9243 regardless of where they are from. The department can speak with callers in more than 200 languages. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel.
1: There are no Wisconsin standards for exposure to high temperatures. Frank Emspak reports.
2: As the heat index reaches new highs and longevity, workers face a challenge to their health and safety. Wisconsin has no heat or cold standards. Under the Occupational Safety and Health Act, employers are responsible for providing workplaces free of known safety and health hazards. This includes protecting workers from heat-related hazard. OSHA says that employers need to provide workers with water, rest, and shade. Earlier today, Labor Radio spoke with George Gritzmacher of the Wisconsin State Laboratory of Hygiene. We asked him to describe the situation in Wisconsin, specifically are there enforceable heat standards?
9: Currently, there is not a specific standard addressing heat here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a federal OSHA state, and federal OSHA does not have a specific standard addressing heat stress at this time.
2: What should be done to improve heat safety in the workplace?
9: The important part is to recognize that lots of conditions can create heat hazards, even when the temperature appears to be cool. And in combination with things like uh, water, rest, and shade, making sure that new workers are acclimatized or accustomed to the temperature is critical. So, making sure that people adjust as they are get introduced to very hot days.
2: As we understand it, the employer provision of additional water, rest, and shade are voluntary at Wisconsin work sites. Is that correct?
9: Technically, they're voluntary. OSHA could issue citations if they find other conditions to address it, but that becomes a, a much longer and much more challenging process from a enforcement perspective.
2: In your opinion, what should be done to address the issue of workplace safety as regards heat or cold?
9: Employers need to kind of have a plan ahead of time. So what are trigger points? Here, OSHA on the federal side is going to look at heat indexes of 80 degrees and up as potentially something that's hazardous. We look at the same thing in the wintertime when we look at wind chill as well. And so uh, making sure that you're aware of and then starting to address things, again, water, rest, and shade being the first elements and uh, adapting workers to hot or cold conditions uh, being a second uh, critical portion of that.
2: What can an individual worker do or their union do at a work site?
9: Well, individual workers can help monitor themselves and their co-workers.
2: Is there anything else you'd like to add?
9: Well, the the real emphasis here is that uh, heat stress and succumbing to uh, heat illness is not just temperature related. You can have a fairly cool day and suddenly can end up having heat fatalities.
2: On Thursday, the White House asked the Department of Labor to issue a formal, quote, hazard alert, unquote that will reaffirm that workers have heat-related protections under federal law. It will provide employers information on protecting rights and help ensure workers know their rights. Meanwhile, OSHA continues to work towards developing specific and enforceable standards to respond to the increasing number of excessive heat days and concomitant risk to workers. Labor Radio also reached out to unions in the construction utility industries. Madison locals said that while there were no contract language specifically in place dealing with heat or cold, that generally workers on the site were able to work out accommodation with management. And to date, there were no complaints. However, as the number of excessively hot days increased, especially combined with bad air, the situation could change. Thanks to George Gritzmacher, Wisconsin State Laboratory of Hygiene, for his comments. I am Frank Emsbach for Madison Labor Radio.
0: Contracts between the UAW and the Big Three automakers are set to expire, and the shift to electric vehicle production is
4: expected to be a big deal in talks. Greg Jabosky has more. On September 17th, the contract between the United Auto Workers and the so-called Big Three, GM, Ford, and Stellantis, formerly known as Chrysler Fiat, will end. The industry is still massive. Although down from its post-war heyday, the automobile industry still accounts for an estimated 3% of the gross domestic product of the United States. The UAW is set a strike as possible, with a major sticking point being the expansion of non-union facilities in the auto industry as it turns toward the manufacture of electric cars. Key points of the production process for electric vehicles are fundamentally different from those of internal combustion ones, and the factories for the high-tech batteries needed for them are expanding rapidly, but they are not union plants, and the auto industry, not surprisingly, shows all indication that they like it that way. This has brought the UAW into conflict, not only with the automobile Company management, but with the policies of the Biden administration. In his first year in office, President Biden promised organized labor that, quote, I intend to be the most pro-union president leading the most pro-union administration in American history, unquote. But he may not meet even this low bar for the historically pro-business U.S. presidency. To the extent of the U.S. Has an industrial policy, outside of Pentagon funding, it is based on giving away money and so-called incentives to private industry in the hope that industry will then move in the direction of the favored policy. What this means in practice is that, while industry may move towards, say, more energy-efficient products, it will not be done at the expense of profit maximization. And if that's the case, industry has no need to find a place for union labor. In fact, it can essentially use taxpayer subsidies to create whole new non-union sectors. Although the outline of so-called Green New Deal legislation advocated by Senator Bernie Sanders and others included the expansion of union jobs alongside the creation of green jobs, this was rejected by both parties, with a variation of the long-standing business subsidy system instead carrying the load in the Biden administration plan. This bipartisan policy creates a dilemma for the UAW and will create a dilemma for many other unions moving forward. If necessary, environmental industrial policies will continue only to be put in place at the final discretion of business interests for labor radio I'm Greg Jaboski
1: For listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Anna Ham. Thanks to editor Frank Emspak, Assistant Robin G., reporters Greg Jabowski, Sean Hagerup, Janine Ramsey, Abigail Levins, Carol Weidel, and damage control specialist Joanne Powers. Special thanks to the guy sitting on my right, Keith Stefan, who's our reader coordinator, and web poster Annie Annu Lee, to all our readers and the members of IBEW Local 23. Three oh four, the WORT Staff Collective.
0: And I'm Keith Steffen. We also like to thank all of our generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and the Professor Bill Clark.
1: And become a sustaining member.